Michael James King coming to you from beautiful Round Town, USA, where after years of taste test and careful consideration, holy cows still make the best hamburgers. <laughs> this is yet another edition of God's Love Club, the podcast that talks about God's divine love and what it means for you today. We, as always, are giving a shout out to spirit-led Christians everywhere and greeting them with a holy kiss. We confess Jesus Christ as our risen Lord and Savior, thanking him for his sacrifice for us on Calvary, and we look forward to his soon appearing in the clouds. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask that your Holy Spirit lead and guide us as we speak to your people. We ask that you give us revelation and a pass directly to their spirits so that they will understand the deep things of your Holy Ghost. We ask that you bless them with understanding and revelation so that they will understand your heart and mind in this generation. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, my co-host with the Spirit-led most is the lovely Christy Smith, the darling of Roundtown, USA. Christy is happy and well-adjusted in beautiful downtown Roundtown, where she believes without limits, prays for her family and friends unceasingly, and treats everyone with loving kindness. The title of this podcast today is The War on Divine Love. Hi, Christy. How are you today? I'm doing well, although it's snowing in the middle of April and groppling. That was a new word for me. <laughs> I never knew what groppling was. <laughs> groppling is kind of a cross between hail and snow and happened usually in springtime. I'm having a difficulty groppling with it. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> today we're going to talk about the War on Divine Love. And we're going to talk about revelation and how that impacts our understanding of the real world around us. For some time, God has been giving me a deeper understanding of what's really going on in the world. And I was watching a YouTube video about marriage in India to where it was showing couples that would lope. They would run away from their families to actually marry the person that they felt that they were most connected to, that they fell deeply in love with. And the reaction to this is that they had to hide out. They'd have to disconnect their email accounts, take the SIMs out of their phones. It's almost like they were in witness protection because sometimes their families would disapprove so vehemently that they'd actually harm them if they found them. And the tremendous social pressure on these couples not to be together. And I was thinking about that and I thought, why? Who really cares? Mm -hmm. And what came to me is that there is a war currently being waged on divine love. And the devil is coming against couples that are actually being put together by God himself so that they don't love as God intended. They don't have the children that God wants. And the consequences of them going against their culture and their religion can be quite severe. Mm -hmm. That's... Very true. And a lot of it comes from the basic misunderstanding that we have that we define who we're with, that society defines who we're with, that the church or our families define who we're with instead of following the leading of God. It's very important to be with the person that God calls you to be with, not just because you and that person become the full person that you can be and you're better together than you are individually. Exactly. And the work that you do together if you are put together by God, glorifies God better than you could do individually without each other. But it's also because God has a plan. And when God made Adam and Eve, he made Adam and Eve together. 
He made a man and a woman, and together they became a complete man. That's his plan for the earth is to do his work through the couples that he puts together. Now, sometimes, because we have a breakdown of the world, there are times, I believe, when God will call someone to be single. But that's a very unique and specific calling, and I think it's rare. I think most of the time God calls you to be with somebody specific because he wants to flow through you to be with that person. And so if you recognize that not just love, but specifically loving the person and being with the person God wants you to be with, if that is a powerful move of God on this earth, it's logical that the enemy would fight against that. And so there's all kinds of external things and sometimes internal things that we battle with. It's usually not the relationship between you and that person that usually stays strong, but it's all the external circumstances that put so much pressure on people trying to do what God wants them to do that sometimes they just fall to the temptation and don't come together. The Bride of Christ, which is typologically speaking, the Church of Philadelphia, spoken of, I think, in the third chapter of Revelation, is a group of individuals that God has united by his Holy Spirit. They are drawn together not by the worldly things that we experience as location or social economic strata, any of these things that normal people think that people get together on. They're drawn together simply by the Holy Spirit, the bonds of the Spirit, the bonds of love. And they are put together in a very specific way, just as our natural bodies are put together in a very specific way. And this emerging church that is coming together, the core of this church is divine mates. These unions are the fundamental glue of God's coming move, and they are uniquely situated and suited to bring forth the will of God on this earth. And this is why the devil fights divine unions so much. Everybody they understand what a divine union is. Nobody doesn't get mm -hmm. Romeo and Juliet. Exactly. Everybody instinctively understand that they were meant to get together, but social circumstances, their families, and everything else are fighting against their union to where they chose death mm -hmm. rather than to be separated in life. And so what the devil is doing, and this is a revelation, the devil is fighting against divine love and especially fighting against divine unions of men and women, because these are the very fulcrums of history. And even one unit, even one man and woman that are really joined together can make such a huge difference. The devil fears above anything else a body of Christ that comes together in the unity of the Spirit mm -hmm. with a core of divine mates that are changing the course of world history. This is something the devil wants to prevent at all costs. And the revelation is that marriage as it is practiced now is not a holy institution. It is simply something the devil put in place in order to control people. And usually what it ends up doing is preventing divine mates getting together. Because in many parts of the world, you can't even marry the person that you want to marry. And the consequences of not obeying your society's culture, mm -hmm. not obeying your religion can be incredibly severe. It can manifest in ostracizing the couple. It can manifest in punishment financially. It can manifest in punishment corporally. There are all kinds of social pressures, some minor, some severe, to make you not do what your heart is calling you to do with another person to break up divine mates. 
And this is a revelation. You know, revelation is not something you study. It's not something you come to in conclusion after years of consideration. A revelation is like entering into a dark room and then turning on the light. All of a sudden, you just see what's there. And this is the revelation that I'm trying to give you about divine mates. Divine mates are so important to God that the devil fights them tooth and nail. And modern-day Romeo and Juliet's are being persecuted all the time. I remember the war in Yugoslavia when it broke up. There was a couple who wanted to be together, one from one warring faction and another from another warring faction. And they wanted to be together so bad that they had the guts to ask the leaders if they could get together and be together. And so what the leaders did is they said, yes, we'll let you do that. And they came together in like a no man's land, and they were going to be together, and they got together, and then they shot them. Now, this is what is going on in our generation. The devil is warring against true love, divine love, and we are the poorer for it. The revelation is that God wants you to marry the person of his choice. And it doesn't matter your religion. It doesn't matter your social economic status. It doesn't matter what your family wants. In the end, the only person that matters is God. And if you follow God and you marry the person that God wants, that is his will. And that is what he will put his blessing behind. If you marry according to your family and you appease them and you appease your society and you appease your religion, you're not following God's will. You're simply making do with what other people's demands are. You're doing irreparable harm to God's kingdom by being married to somebody he doesn't want you to be married to, no matter the contractual obligations. This is God's will. If we do not allow God to form the unions he will, we deny him the very tool he needs in order to affect the change he wants. That's right. And the lie that the enemy is feeding to the world is that God doesn't care who you marry, that God doesn't have a specific person. I've heard it preached from the pulpits of many churches. There is not one specific person that God wants you to marry. You can marry someone that seems right. But once you get married, that's the person that God wants you to be married to for eternity. I've, I've heard people <laughs> talk about if you start off on a path in college and God gets a hold of you and says, this is not my will for you. You have the freedom to leave that college and go to another college. You start off on a career path and God gets a hold of you and says, no, this is not the job that I want for you. You have the freedom to leave that and choose another career. But if you start on the path of a marriage that is not God's will and God gets a hold of you and says, no, this is not the person I have for you in the church, you are not allowed to make that correction. The church teaches it doesn't matter who you're married to as long as you stay committed to that person until death. And this is a lie from the enemy because God does care who you're married to. And if we have been married to the wrong person or if we started down a path and somebody left the will of God and so we're in a place where God doesn't want us to be anymore, God expects us to make the course correction because our job is to glorify him. And there is no better way, I am convinced, to glorify God than to be with the person that God wants you to be with. When God created Adam and Eve, he said it wasn't good for man to be alone. The way that Adam became a whole person is to have his rib taken out of him and formed into a person that was his perfect match. And together they formed a human being. Together their oneness balanced each other and 
fulfilled everything that God wanted to do through them. That is God's purpose for humanity, for God to take a man and a woman and join them together to be the fullness of what they are created to be. A man by himself cannot be the full person he's meant to be. A woman by herself cannot be the full person she's meant to be. And if we are not joined to the right person, we're cutting ourselves short of everything that God has for us. It is important to God who we are with. It is important who we're married to. And a legal marriage, as far as the world is concerned, is not significant to God. Whether you have a paper that's signed by the state or sanctioned by the church doesn't matter to God. He just wants you to join your life with the person he wants you to be one with to accomplish his purposes because he wants us to glorify him. That is our chief calling in life is to glorify him. So we need to find the people to surround ourselves with, to connect with, that will bring God the most glory. Another way the devil is attacking marriage is by making men and women think that they don't like each other. You know, feminism, while it purports to make things fair, actually ends up separating people. It tries to obviate the natural order that God created. You know, women want to be equal to men. God did not make women equal to men. He made women different from men. There's not an equal sign in there. That's right. It's different. There's a difference sign in there. Men are good at doing certain things. Women are good at doing certain things. It doesn't mean a woman isn't intelligent. It doesn't mean she's not capable. It simply means that biologically, God made her different for a, an amazing purpose. The ability to bring forth life is the point of this creation, and she can do that where a man can't. She takes this man's seed and she cherishes it for nine months and produces a child. A man can't do that. A man wouldn't want to do that. He's not made to do that. She is. Mm -hmm. And when we have a philosophy like Gloria Steinem championed that men are always persecuting women and women are always the victim, that makes people not like each other. Mm -hmm. And that strikes at the very root of what God wanted to accomplish. Where there are injustices, yes, let's correct them. But let's not make it a war on women. Yeah. It's a war on divine love is what it is. And we need to come together in Christ, not separate ourselves in the two corners and look at each other funny. This thing where women don't respect men to where it's a cliche on sitcoms that women are always downing men. Why would you want to do that? Women love men. Men love women. Women want to be able to respect a man. But in our culture today, there is such a push for this disrespect and for this loathing and not wanting to submit to a man that God gives you. And this is another reason why you need a divine mate, because a woman, if she's not married to the man of God's choice, will have a difficult time mm -hmm. submitting to him. Mm -hmm. She won't respect him after a while. She won't listen to his counsel. She'll think she knows better, and they'll argue, and then the relationship will disintegrate, and they'll wonder why. And they'll go to marriage counseling, and they'll spend hundreds of dollars on marriage books, and their friends will counsel them, their mother and father will counsel them, and their pastor will demand that they stay together for God's sake. Where the root of the problem, hear me when I say this, the root of the problem is you married the wrong person in the first place. That underlying mistake, which is the foundation of your very marriage today, is what is causing the problem. And no Band-Aid is big enough to fix it. No Band-Aid is big enough to cover it up. 
If you did not marry the woman or the man of God's choice, you start out with a severe disadvantage. Now, can God create a marriage from that? Certainly, God can do anything. Can you grow to love each other as Christ loves you? Yes, you can. But God wants his will done. And no matter what you promised, no matter what vows you made, no matter what paper you signed, if that marriage is not ordained of God, not sanctioned by his Holy Spirit, not in his will, you will never achieve what God desires for your life. Now, sometimes people aren't really interested in following God, so God just leaves well enough alone. Says, well, you're not going to do anything if you get divorced anyway, so we'll just leave you together. You've built a life, and you've had children, you've bought lands and tilled gardens and everything, and God just leaves it like that because, frankly, he's going to try to pick up where he left off with you in your next generation. But for those who are caught in terrible situations that they know are not of God, continuing in your mistake is not going to fix the fundamental flaw. And this war of divine love is against you. It's against you becoming the fullness of stature mm -hmm. of Jesus Christ. It's against you. The devil wants to prevent you from being everything that God foreordained you to be. Because if you're always dealing with a bad marriage, a difficult time, you're not available to do what God wants. You're not available to touch those people that God wanted to touch through you. This is a hard saying for a lot of people. First of all, they don't want to admit that they made that mistake. Secondly, they worry about the social and economic and family consequences of doing that. They have a lot of stuff that they've accumulated together. And maybe their religion says that that's a sin. And so there's all these things stacked against them. But we have to come to the point where we're willing to do the will of God no matter what. If God can say, you go be a martyr, God can say, you go divorce that person. I mean, it's that simple. And it's the harsh truth. It's a revelation. You may not like what you see, but it is what is in the room. When the light comes, you see how things lay and you see how things are. And you may be in the wrong room. That room may not be your room. You made a mistake. It doesn't mean because you made a mistake, you continue in the mistake. You take action according to God's will and God's leading to do whatsoever he leads you to do. And the devil is trying to prevent us from correcting these major mishaps in our life. And so often we're trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. And when that doesn't work, we shave off the edges of the square peg to try to fit it in the round hole. And it becomes miserable and uncomfortable. You mentioned women submitting to their husband. That is a sore spot among women today. But the foundation of it being a sore spot is not being with the right man. Right. Because when Eve was created for Adam and before there was sin, nobody had to tell her to submit to him. Nobody had to tell him to love her. It wasn't an issue. It wasn't an issue. She was there to help him, and she knew she was there to help him, and that's all she wanted to do was help him. So when he walked over to a tree and said, oh, we're going to give this one some water, she would go run and get some water and help him. If they walked over to a flower and were trying to decide a name, he would ask, what do you think this one would be called? And she would suggest names to him. They did things together. He had a calling from God, and she was called to help him. There was no need for her to 
beat herself down and submit herself to him because she wanted to serve him. She respected him by nature. She knew the calling that he had on his life and she wanted to help him carry out that calling. When we are with the person that God puts us with, that is how it flows. There's not a need for someone to tell you you need to submit because when you're the woman and you honor this man who God has given you and you respect what he is doing and you naturally do. When he says, can you help me do this? Yes. How can I help you do this? When he says, let's go this direction, even if you don't understand it, you trust him. You trust that he's hearing from God and you follow him. A man doesn't have to be told to love his wife when he's with a divine mate. He loves her as Christ loves her because exactly. the love of Christ flows through him to her. And she feels the love of God through him, which makes her want to submit to him and yield to him and be under his protection. That's the way God designed it. Now, that doesn't mean it's perfect. People are human and people make mistakes and we get influences from other people and our own flesh rises up and sometimes we have conflict. But on the whole, that is the way it's supposed to flow. And if we're not with the person that God designed us to be with, that whole dynamic of husbands love your wives and wives respect your husbands, like it talks about in Ephesians, is so difficult to do. Because that it comes from the basis of you are with the person you're supposed to be with. Exactly. You're with the person that God created you for. And then that flows naturally. You know, sometimes when you make a mistake, you have to repent of that mistake. And repenting means to turn around and do the opposite of what you've been doing. Sometimes you literally have to repent of your marriage. You made a mistake. You knew it as you were walking down the aisle, but you went through it because of all the social pressure. Your family was there. Your friends were there. The presents were brought. The cater was paid. You didn't want to lose the money. And so you said, I do, when you knew you should have said, I don't. And this is a war on divine love. What God really wants for you to do is to marry a man or woman of his choice have a divine mate, it's okay if you have a legal paper. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's how our societies are run. So, But the thing is, is that a lot of people have the legal paper without having the divine mate. You know, if you have a divine mate, you don't need any contract. You'll stay together forever because God has joined you. Mm -hmm. No matter what the difficulty, no matter what the social pressure, you'll be with each other. You know, there's people who risk death in certain places of the world in order to be with their divine mate. And the devil is fighting tooth and nail for these unions not to come to pass. Because through those unions, God could bring real and lasting change to their society. And the demons, the prince spirits that control those places of the world don't want that to happen. You know, when Jesus was teaching, he taught basically three different levels of relationship with him. And you kind of see it reflected in the history of the church. There was a time when the church was to Jesus as a master is to a slave. What do you need me to do? What do you need me to do? What do you need me to do? And we were all just about focusing on serving him, serving him, serving him. He's the master word slave. But Jesus taught that you used to be servants, and now I'm graduating you up to friends. Because the difference is that a master doesn't tell the servants what he's about, but he will tell his friends what he's about. So then there was a time when people stepped into a closer relationship with God through Jesus, and they were more like friends. They had a relationship with him. They could talk back and forth. He could guide them. They could walk as friends. But Jesus's heart is that the body of Christ will become his bride. He wants us to go from being friends to just being a bride. And what is the fundamental difference between a friend and a bride? It's the intimacy and the intense yes. love and passion. Exactly. That's what God wants. And that's the move that's coming on the earth right now is the intense love and passion of God to his bride. You know, he looks at his bride and his heart is raptured by her and he wants to love her. And the fundamental way that he does that is through his body. 
he flows to his body through his body. And so when he can come and inhabit us fully with his spirit and his love, we automatically pour that out to other people and he can love other people through us. So the other beautiful thing about divine mates that this war is on is that it's not just about that couple. It's not like the couple comes together and they just go and live in a cave for the rest of their lives and enjoy themselves. That would be good too, but that's not God's purpose. God's purpose is that the love that's in between those people flows out of them to people around them and situations around them. And they are held up as an example of the love of Christ, the bride. Paul even talked about the mystery of a husband and a wife being representative of Jesus and his church. That picture has been so marred throughout history. What God wants is a true love between a man and a woman to demonstrate his love for his church. And that love overflows because when two people get together in God and their divine mates, I believe they receive a calling from God. They have a passion, not just for each other, but for the things that God has called them to. And so whatever it may be, it may be raising children. It may be running a business together. It may be doing a ministry together. Whatever it is that God called them to do together, they have a passion to do that. And that love overflows from them to everyone around them and everything they're called to do. And that's what the enemy is also trying to fight. What comes out of that union between a man and a woman that God's called together, that love that God wants to spread throughout the entire world, the devil wants to stop that. Exactly. The devil wants to stop that. He wants to stop the intimacy, the godly intimacy, as God has foreordained from the foundation of the world. And when you look at the bite of Christ as a whole bunch of people together, you know, what happens when you're dating? What happens when you're talking about marriage? What happens when you're just about to get married? Well, it's different levels of intimacy. When you think about it, the Church of Philadelphia is likened as to a bride. And what does a bride do before they get married? They want to kiss. They want to hug. They want to caress. And so God is marrying this worldwide group of people who is, is connecting with his spirit. This is what the whole Song of Solomon is about. Mm -hmm. If you've ever read that and ever understood what it's really talking about, Solomon and the Shulamite are a type, a picture of the end-time bride of Christ that we're just about on right now. That's right. And that's what we need to be about is what is God's will. And we're so caught up in our own ideas. We're so caught up in tradition. And sometimes we can also be caught up in the influence of the world. It's very difficult to hear from the world encouragement to love others, to put your preferences aside for someone else, because the world teaches you that it's all about you. And that's another one of the fundamental breakdowns in relationship is, I think about me and what do I need? And your job is to meet my needs. And if you're not meeting my needs, then I have a problem with you and it's your fault. When God says, our needs are met first and foremost through him. And we get the primary love that we need from God. And when we're connected to the people that he wants us to be connected to, we'll get it through other people as well. But we seek the source and the source comes to us in whatever way the source chooses to come to us. God will love us in whatever way he exactly. wants to love us. Yes. It's not our responsibility to look at anybody else or any circumstance and say, I need this to change in order for me to be happy. Because the truth is when we give our lives to God and we submit ourselves to him and do what glorifies him, we will automatically have our emotional, physical, spiritual needs met, however God chooses to meet them. And consequently, when we love someone, loving unconditionally, loving with the agape love, the divine love that we're talking about in this podcast, he is loving somebody because we love them, not loving them because we want something back. Right. 
When I choose to love someone, I choose to love them regardless of how they act, regardless of what they say, regardless of what they give back to me. I'm just deciding I'm going to love them. The only way we can do that is when we have the love of God in us for that person. Right. When you're with your divine mate, it's very easy to love them like that and very easy to overlook flaws and very easy to not be offended. But we can do that not with just our divine mate, but with everyone when we're flowing through the love of God. But it's understanding that it's not about us and it's not about what we're getting back. Sometimes you can be very kind to someone and they return that kindness and it's very rewarding. But we don't pour out kindness and love on someone so that we get it back. We do it out of obedience to God. And that is a breakdown in our whole society. It's all about me. And I'm only going to do this as far as I get my needs met. And if you are not meeting my needs, you're the one that's at fault. And you need to fix yourself. When God is saying, no, you're my vessel. I will pour love into you to pour out to another person. And just like we always talk about that garden hose, the inside of the garden hose is always wet with that love. Even though the water may be coming through the hose to water the garden and the garden gets water because the hose is allowing itself to be the vessel that that water flows through, it stays wet. So when we open ourselves up to be a vessel of God's love to other people, we're going to feel love. We're going to have our needs met. And we don't have to be dependent on other people to meet those needs for us. It's a hard place to get to, but it is what God desires for us. That's so true. It's hard to express how true that is. <laughs> you know, we lack the words to actually give it the import it really deserves. The institution of marriage. You know, if you're in a Muslim country and you want to go marry somebody that your mother and father don't approve of, your society doesn't approve of, and you have to make a very serious decision because of the consequences of not doing what other people want you to do. And people, they often do that, and they often give terrible consequences for actually doing exactly what God wants them to do. And hasn't that been always how yeah. it's been? You know, mm -hmm. since the first days of the church where they decided to follow the way, they decided to preach Jesus Christ and him crucified in a Jewish stronghold. They were persecuted terribly. Stephen was stoned until he died. Paul was sitting there holding the coats of the guys that were doing it. Paul was going around with letters trying to imprison Christians. Why? Well, because they believed in Jesus Christ, who was obviously a false prophet, mm -hmm. according to Judaism. You know, Paul had the support of the Sanhedrin, had the support of the other really good Jews, until he met Jesus. Mm -hmm. And when he met Jesus, he had a revelation. It was not a teaching session from Gamaliel. It was a demonstration of who Christ really was. Mm -hmm. And we need to come to the point where we're not bound by the societies we grew up in. We're not bound by the false religions that tell us that have to do this. Christianity is as much a false religion as many others. The only thing we have right is that we happen to have the Bible. And the Bible does contain the Word of God mm -hmm. and is the true oracle of the Most High. But the way that we apply it to our yes. lives, the way that we follow what others have taught about it, makes it as false as your average Muslim or your average Buddhist. It's the way that we try to follow God based on his oracles that we get wrong. That's right. The yep. oracles are true. Mm -hmm. The oracles are right. But the people that have interpreted them are equally as wrong. And so if we follow those who never attained, the best we can hope for is to never attain with them. But if we follow Christ, who did attain, 
who was perfect, who is the example, and we let him lead and guide us every day, then we can attain because he did. Following others, no. Following Christ, yes. It's that simple. We are not bound by other people. We will not be judged by other people. We are bound by God to do his will, to do the Father's voice. That is what will matter when our works are judged. And we want to have Jesus say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter thou into my rest. Because you did the will of my Father. I know you. Mm -hmm. I've seen you from afar. I've known you up close. And this is somebody I want with me for eternity. Mm -hmm. That is what we want to have happen. That's right. And we attain that by our connection to God. The Holy Spirit was given to live in us and through us and to guide us step by step. That's why it's all throughout the New Testament told we don't need to follow the law anymore. We follow the leading of the Spirit, which will not contradict the law. It's the law of love. Then love does no wrong to a neighbor. And when we follow the Spirit, we're not going to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. That's how we know what to do. The other litmus test that we can give it is what glorifies God. Is this choice that I am making going to glorify God? And it's glorifying God has to be what God is saying, not what man is saying. And so if man is saying go right, but God is saying go left, which one is going to glorify God? Going left. Exactly. And we've got to do what God asks us to do and what glorifies him. Because when he is glorified, that's where all the blessings flow. When he can really use us to promote himself and his kingdom on this earth, we're automatically going to be blessed. We're automatically going to be satisfied. We're automatically going to feel his favor and his love. And the way that God moves on the earth is through his people. So it's very imperative that we yield to him and do everything he asks us to do. We are living in an age of strong delusion. And I'm convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that we have no idea how strong this delusion is. We've grown up in it in many cases. I have a little bit of a perspective because I read a lot of history. But for most of us, we don't know beyond 50 years ago what happened. And now how the world is just seems to be how the world should be because it's never been any different for us. And our society now is being reshaped by an outside force that isn't godly. We are being made into the image and likeness of something else than Yahweh. And it is a push that is gaining momentum, and it's gaining momentum very, very quickly. Women aren't honored as the beautiful vessels of God they are. They're becoming sex objects. Men don't glory in being what God made them to be. They want to be metrosexual. They want to be unisex. They want to look better than the girls. We think, oh, well, that's just progress. No, people, that's Sodom and Gomorrah. And you don't know it because you grew up in it. Lot, who was the nephew of Abraham, the father of our faith, went to Sodom and Gomorrah, and eventually he left with half of everything they had together. And by the time that sin was through with him, he fled only with himself and his two daughters. His wife was turned into a pillar of salt because she wouldn't listen. She mm -hmm. looked back at the judgment of God, and she died because of it. And Lot went to live on some cave, and his own daughters, seeing that there was never a man around, each in turn got him drunk and slept with them and through incest had Moab and Ammon. Two entire nations were born out of those incestuous 
relationships that tormented the real Israel for generations. And those girls, having grown up in Sodom and Gomorrah, probably didn't think it was that big a deal. I mean, they had a need, they needed children, and that's the only way they saw to do it, so they did it. The natural taboo against that was not in them because of the strong delusion they had lived in. And right now, the strong delusion that we are living in is guiding us all towards the acceptance of the man of sin, the acceptance of the Antichrist as the instead of Christ. He is an image of something God never desired, but that image is what the world is being led towards in this strong delusion. And all this is set up to fight what? Divine love. Divine love through divine mates, divine love through members of the body of Christ that are drawn together by his spirit. This worldwide thing is being set up against this because the devil fears the unity of the body of Christ more than anything else in the entire world. So we are, by revelation, telling you before it happens. We need to listen, hear, and obey on time what God is saying to us moment by moment every day. I'm not telling you what you must believe. I'm just saying you must hear his voice and do what he says for you to do. That may be something I don't even understand, that I can't see. But it's what God is saying to you, and that's what you must do. And have faith that if you do that, we will come together as a unified body and be useful to the head, which is Christ. That's right. You were talking about the image of the world and the image that is being imposed on us. The Bible says that when we behold his glory, we are transformed to his image. And that's how we get to where we need to go. We've got to connect to him and look at him and be with him and behold him. Then it's not our job to change ourselves. We automatically become like him when we're with him. That's what happened with the disciples. The people that were listening to Peter and John said, who are these people? But they noticed that they had been with Jesus. Exactly. And that's what happens to us when we hang around him. We spend time with him. Our image changes to be like him. And what is that image? That's love. That's the nature of love that will automatically grow in us as we spend time with him. We behold his glory. We sense his presence with us and we listen and pay attention to him, we will be transformed into his image and what will come out of us will be love and we will hear his voice. We will know where to go. His sheep hear his voice. And the more we can be near the shepherd, the more we can hear his voice and go where he tells us to go. And that will protect us from what the world is trying to impose on us. And it will lead us into that place of divine love that the enemy is fighting so hard. Exactly. And for you who are listening to this podcast, who have taken the step to be with your divine mate, Against all odds, I want to tell you that you're on the right path, that God is leading you to be with that man or woman. And you need to have confidence in him for doing that. You may not even be saved. You may not even know Jesus Christ. But God is working in your generations to bring forth his will. Right now, when you're struggling with your society, when you're struggling with your religion, what you need to do is know Jesus personally. Know that he is your savior and that he loves you and that he has come for you and led you to be with this woman or man because of all the good things he wants to do through you. If you haven't yet confessed your sins and asked for his forgiveness, do so now. Saying, you know, I've got a lot of problems. My family absolutely hates my choice of woman. And Lord, I know in my heart of hearts that this is exactly what I should do. I confess my sins. Whatever I've done wrong, I'm willing to do differently. 
All I need is to hear your voice. All I need is to have your presence in my heart. And I want you to lead and guide me. I want to hear your voice. I want to do your will. I want you to help me. And then commit to do it. Because he will talk to you. He is closer than a brother. He wants you to be saved along with your divine mate. He wants you to see heaven as your home. And know that the earth is only a temporary stop along the way to a greater place of peace and love and joy. God has a purpose for you and your divine mate. He has a purpose that is vital to Mm -hmm. both you and those around you. No matter where you are in the world. No matter what problems that you face because of your decision. God will make a way because it is his will that you be with a divine mate. And therefore he will bless you. And all these things that appear insurmountable, all these things that appear impossible, will simply fade away because the God of the whole earth will make them go away because you're doing what he wants you to do. And just know that today. The love you have for that woman, the the commitment you have for that man against all odds is the exact world of God. It is so important. I cannot express it enough. I wish I had a a more eloquent way of saying it to you. You are the very focal point of everything God has created this entire universe for. He wanted to love mankind, but he is a spirit that fills heaven and earth. So how does he love us? He loves us through a divine mate. He kisses us through the lips of another person that is filled with his Holy Spirit. He hugs us. Through a man who loves a woman so passionately and so completely that it's God doing it. This is the revelation. This is the insight that brings everything together, that unites everything that we do on earth. This is what you were meant for. This is your purpose on earth. This is. Everything that you've always dreamed of, don't let it go. Don't let anybody say you can't. Don't let any religion say that you can't. Don't let any circumstance in life say it is impossible because it is the will of God, and with God, all things are possible. Everything that you've always wanted, you will find in obeying the will of God and being with the person that you are supposed to be with. Yes, in Jesus' name. There are people in Jordan right now that have left their mother and father in order to be with the mate of God's choice. You're hiding out in a motel, wondering what your next move is. And by God's divine grace, you're listening to this podcast. I ask you now, in Jesus' name, to give your lives to Jesus Christ. Complete the dare that you did and go all the way and know the son of the God of the whole universe. This is what you lack. You don't know the next step. This is the next step. Know Jesus and then know his will for your life and follow his voice. This is the way through the troubled waters you are in. And for those in Congo, The divine love of God, the shed abroad in your life, is the way through these difficult times that you face. You know, Congo is a mess. 
There's a lot of killing. There's a lot of rape. There's a lot of need, a lot of poverty. And you grew up in it. You don't even know what a different life is. And now God is leading you to marry a certain woman you don't know if you can and should and people don't agree with you. All we need is Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter if you have to go through the midst of the Red Sea. You will not be harmed. As long as God is with you, who can be against you? Everything will work out. There's people in Mongolia right now that they don't know how they're going to get through this because their parents don't understand why they accepted Jesus Christ. They're almost ostracized from everything they ever knew and growing up. What's the next step? The next step is exactly what the Holy Spirit tells you to do. Draw near to Christ and he will draw near to you. Listen for his voice and he will speak to you. He will tell you the next thing to do. It may not look possible and it may not look reasonable, but if you trust him and do what he says, it will be the right move. There's a woman in Georgia, the state of Georgia, who's listening, and you were drawn to this podcast because of the title. And you feel like that there has been a war against you and the man that you are truly in love with. And you know that God has put you with this man, but you are getting so much opposition from people around you and circumstances around you that the two of you have talked about separating just to have peace. And I just want to encourage you, that is the enemy. There is a war against you, but you are not fighting flesh and blood. You are not fighting the people that are opposing you. You are fighting the enemy who is trying to keep you guys from being together. Walk with each other in unity and walk toward everyone around you with love. And God will show you the way to make this work. But do not give up because this is from God. He has a powerful work for the two of you to do. And it's the enemy that's trying to separate you. And you being together is God's perfect will. Amen. Well, that's about all the time we have this week for God's Love Club, and we are so appreciative that you've made it this far. Your spirit hungers and thirsts after wretchedness so much that you've made it to the end of this broadcast. I just want to ask that God bless you and keep you in the following week. I ask that he speak to you specifically in a way that you can hear him personally, and I ask that you have the courage and faith to believe that God is speaking to you so that he can lead and guide you very, very carefully among the challenges you face. So you did a good thing. We're very proud of you. You have a great week, and we'll see you next time on God's Love Club. This is Christy and Michael saying bye-bye.